Hello, mamas, and welcome to the So You Had a Baby podcast, episode 18. Today, we're joined by Mary Clavier, who's the founder of Brief Transitions, a product-based business providing mesh underwear to women after childbirth and surgeries. Mary's also the founder of Transitions Collective, a resource for community-driven entrepreneurs transitioning from corporate to building their businesses full-time, and also co-hosts the Fearless Business Podcast, supporting entrepreneurs through various stages and transitions of their businesses. Mary's been featured in Forbes, NBC, Like a Boss Girls, and other media outlets. Mary was such a joy to speak with. She shared parts of her postpartum experience that were insightful from breastfeeding to how she navigated through the transition of being a new working mom. We hope you will enjoy hearing Mary's perspective as much as we did. Welcome to the So You Had a Baby podcast. We are your hosts, Inkiru and Krista. We'll be sharing empowering stories and topics to inspire women to grow and love themselves more throughout their postpartum journey. Join us each week as we work to change the stigma around postpartum. are so thrilled you could join us tonight. So I'm just going to jump right into it and have you start by telling your listeners a little bit about yourself. So your name, your profession, who you're a mama to, and what led you to an interest in working in your field. Yes. Hi. Thank you so much, ladies, for having me on the show. I'm honored to be here. So my name is Mary Clavier. I own Brief Transitions, which is a product-based company selling postpartum mesh underwear. Everyone that's a mom knows quite a bit about them, probably. <laughs> yes, gone we do. The experience. <laughs> yep. And um, I'm a mama to two young girls. So Evie is five and Elena will be three in a few months. And your other question about what led me to doing the work that I'm doing, I'm sure we'll get much more into it with my story because it's tied very closely to my postpartum story and what led me to starting to work with underwear. But I I did work in the corporate world for 14 years and I was in pharmaceutical manufacturing. So my background is operational excellence and manufacturing. And last year moved into working on brief transitions full-time and running my own business. Oh, wow. Awesome. That's really cool that you came from a a background of a corporate world. Yes. It, well, yes, it's very, mm-hmm. very different, but in mm-hmm. some ways, some ways, sim- I, I use some tools from that for sure. <laughs> yeah, Definitely. I'm sure. And before we um, actually started to record this, I had a brief conversation with my husband because I was so excited to have you on and share your business and your, and your product. And I was explaining to him, remember when I had to wear those like ugly briefs, you know, the <laughs> mesh ones that they gave me after I gave birth to our child? He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, so this lady that we're going to interview, she actually created product that is that exactly, but you don't have to wear one for weeks at a time. You can have right. many. Right. <laughs> right. And you, She's genius. And I cannot wait to talk to her. <laughs> and they're better. And they're better than and what you get. they're better. <laughs> yes. They're, they seem like they are sturdy. They're better quality. And yeah. they're, they're like better looking. Yeah. Well, the black helps. 
so they come in black. Exactly. You know, you feel more human. Yeah. They're yes. swimming almost. Yeah. 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 So I just want to tell you, girl, thank you so much for creating oh, thank this product. You. Yeah. I, thank you. I second that. I'm looking forward to the postpartum next time so I can actually wear I something know, that's right? better. Right. I, something I'm better. actually really looking forward to it. That's a good point. <laughs> oh, man. So let's talk about a little bit about your postpartum experience. Starting off with if you could describe your postpartum experience in one word. Barry, what would it be and why? So it's probably going to sound cliche, but I think I would have to say life changing. <laughs> I mean, not not only did I change as a person becoming a mom, but it also changed me to eventually having this business that I have. Mm-hmm. So literally everything in my life changed after I had my first daughter. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's really the most all-encompassing that I could come up with. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You say cliche, but we haven't heard that one yet. And oh, really? I'm, su- I'm surprised we oh, haven't, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly that's exactly what it is. <laughs> your, yeah. whole, your whole world is completely different after having a child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So since it is life-changing, we would love to hear your postpartum story. And you you have two daughters, so you can share one or both, whichever you'd like. Okay. I'll share I'll share my my first daughter for sure. And then I'm happy to share the second one too. They were I had two very different pregnancies um mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. birth experiences, which is you know, it seems strange at the time, but I guess it's probably pretty common. So my first daughter I I had a little bit of a of a challenging pregnancy um just even le- leading up to the childbirth I had a well I had a lot of the morning sickness and those usual things in the beginning but I also had a fibroid that kept growing as I was moving along in my pregnancy and it actually got to be the size of a grapefruit by the end it was it was pretty wow. huge it, oh, wow. yeah yeah, the doctors were surprised that I wasn't in more pain from it than, yeah, it was really, really strange. But I guess the hormones made it grow faster and bigger than than what they thought. And so I had to go in pretty regularly. So you usually get ultrasounds maybe a, two or three three times, I think, during pregnancy. But I was at the doctor's office like almost every week for them just checking on it and making sure that nothing was wrong. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, it was it, um, one of my friends was pregnant at the same time and she she wasn't going through any of that. She had probably a much more standard pregnancy, so it was interesting for me to like compare along the way cuz she was literally due a month before me. Could you explain a little bit of what a fibroid is to someone that is maybe not familiar with that with what that means? Yes. So so in my super non-technical terms, <laughs> it was basically like a mass that they grow. I think they usually grow along the lining of your uterus. Um, mm. And basically it can just get in the way and make it more cramped for the baby. So usually it is common for them to grow when you have the hormones and during a pregnancy, and then they can mm-hmm. go away afterwards. Interesting. Interesting. So did you know about that prior to getting pregnant? So you were aware? No, I had no idea. Oh Mm. yeah. I had no idea. And they saw it in my first 
ultrasound. And then when I went back for, you know, my next checkup, they saw it again and they saw that it grew and they were like, okay, it's growing. So let's check it again. And you know, however many weeks and then it eventually, it was still growing. So then they wanted to check me, you know, pretty often. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So I didn't even know that I had it. So then I was worried afterwards that it was going to stay and be so big and would I have to get it removed? Cause I, they, they usually don't touch them from what I understand, but if mm-hmm. it becomes something that's really troublesome in some way, they'll, they'll try to remove it depending on where it's located. But mine, it went away after I had my daughter. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. Like super, Pregnancy super is crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> so did you, did you develop it when you got pregnant? You know, I'm, I'm honestly not sure. I could have had mm. it before. The doctor said I could have had it before and just not known about it. Um, yeah. Because I hadn't had the need for an ultrasound before. You know? Right. So then, you know, toward, towards the end, I had, I had a lot of swelling, which I think is, is also can, can be common for people swelling in my legs, especially, and went mm. for some extra scans. My fluid wasn't going down and, and all of those things. But I eventually went into labor and well, I didn't even know that I didn't think I was in labor actually. (laughs) It's going to sound ridiculous. I was having cramps that lasted like 10 minutes at a time. And it was Mm. the evening and I was just laying on the couch and I was like cramping so much. And my husband was like, I think it's time to call the doctor. Like, you know, you're, you're having the baby. And I'm like, no, it's just cramps. Like, <laughs> yeah, not, you know, this is not what contractions are like, you know, I've seen it on so many movies. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and after I really was just laying there extremely uncomfortable and in pain, but for yeah. long periods of time, you know, he was finally like, um, I'm going to call the doctor and see what they say. So he called the doctor and they said, yes, come in. And so we went in and and I got I got admitted right away. <laughs> you don't know what you don't know, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It was crazy. So I got admitted and turns out I was running a fever and like I had other stuff going on. So they said, yeah, we're going to admit you now. You know, we'll keep checking. It was the evening, but they said, we'll keep checking on you in the, in the morning and the next day. So by the next evening, I still hadn't had her yet. And they eventually, so my daughter's heartbeat was kind of going up and down for a while and the machine Mm -hmm. started going off, which is extremely scary and overwhelming when you don't know what's going on and all the doctors, you know, and the nurses rush in and check the machines. So they eventually said, okay, we have to do an emergency C-section because she was struggling in, you know, in the womb. So I said, okay, you know, I, I was very like going into the whole thing. I was pretty practical. I said, you know, whatever happens is happening. Like, I just want her out. I want her out safely and, you know, mm-hmm. whatever we need to do to do that. So I had the emergency C-section and I mean, I, I really wasn't expecting it. Right. So it's, it's a very dramatic and traumatic experience in a lot of ways because yeah. mm-hmm. you don't you know, it's major surgery. I didn't know at all what it was going to feel like, you know? And so then I'm just laying there like waiting while they're trying to take her out. And I just remember thinking like, oh, I want to, you know, 
you hear them cry like right after the baby comes out, you know, so I'm like focused on, is she crying? Is she crying? And they took her out and they said, yeah, baby. And like, she didn't cry right away. And I freaked out and then she cried and they showed her to me, but then they whisked her away because it turned out she had a lot of fluids in, in her lungs. And she ended up being in the NICU the whole time that I was in the hospital but thankfully, I mean, she's a happy, healthy five-year-old now. So we're, <laughs> we're all very lucky. My first experience was, here's, here's your baby, say hi. And then, then my husband doesn't know where to go because he's like, do I stay with you or do I go with the baby? I'm like, go with the baby. Like, what, what's going <laughs> yeah. on? <You> know? <laughs> Every mother's response, like, don't oh. leave. Go with the baby. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. Like, I'm yeah. on this table. So please, like... <laughs> see what's going on I mean the doctors were great everyone was great and really helpful so she ended up just being there you know just struggling a little bit in the beginning but she got stronger as as the days went by but I think especially you know with a c-section that you're not expecting it's just shocking for your whole body so the recovery afterwards was also like I was very just out of sorts from you know, from the pain and like not realizing I wasn't really going to be able to move much, you know, and, and mm-hmm. all of those things. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that is, that was your first pregnancy. That was my correct? first pregnancy. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. The second one was, was a lot different. I was, I was actually more in shape and had been exercising a lot more for my second pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it went a lot more smoothly I actually didn't get the fibroid back, if you can believe it. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. It was, wow. not, yeah, they couldn't even see it on the scans. It was, oh, that's it was amazing. so, yeah, it was crazy. What a relief. Amazing mm-hmm. and baffling. Yeah, both. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Those, those crazy hormones. Yeah. Um, so it, so I didn't have that. So it was much smoother. And then I ended up eventually opting for a scheduled C-section just because of mm-hmm. everything that happened the first time. So yeah. So with you going through such, a, it sounds like a, a long labor and then having to go into an emergency C-section, how did that affect you in your postpartum? I think, I think it had a really big impact. I, I think it shocked me so much that I was just kind of in, I mean, I guess you're always in some kind of bubble or some kind of haze, but this was, you know, for, for me, it was extremely shocking. Mm. So my recovery took a long time and I had my daughter in December Mm. and I'm in New Jersey. So, Mm. you know, the winters are not great. And this particular winter in 2013 happened to be very snowy and very cold and icy and everything else. And so I really couldn't get out much either. So Mm. it was dark and cold and I couldn't get outside. That's like the, the recipe for, you know, postpartum depression or or Mm -hmm. any other, you know, mental health, you know, issues that someone might have. So it definitely, it definitely had a big, a big impact on me in a lot of ways. Yeah, I bet. And, and with that, what was your, what would you say was your biggest struggle in postpartum? I think for me, so I tried really hard to breastfeed and to, to nurse her and it just, it didn't, it didn't work for us. I saw lactation consultants, went back to the hospital and she just was not transferring the milk. So I ended up exclusively mm. pumping mm. for six months. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah. (laughs) And I think, I mean, looking back, I really think I held on to that as something to, you know, thinking that it was maybe keeping my sanity, even though it was probably making me more stressed and making it worse. Like I was like, Mm. okay, if I can just focus on this and if I can just give her breast milk, because that's what I'm supposed to do. And that's going to be what's great for her. And I want to do that. You know, Mm -hmm. I just, I mean, I devoted myself to that. And I think, you know, I lost out a little bit on actually enjoying time with her. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really important thing to know. I think it's so interesting because I feel like we go into this into your, you know, your postpartum or your fourth trimester, however you want to refer to it and have these expectations of what you think needs to be done. And you kind of said it really well is what you're doing sometimes can be, can be really hard on you and, and affect the rest of your recovery and, and pumping is hard. So Mm -hmm, kudos mm -hmm. to you for being strong for six months. (laughs) That's a hard, that's a hard thing to do. Yeah. it's a lot of time being hooked up to a machine. That's for sure. (laughs) It is. Absolutely. Yeah. And I kind of want to get your perspective on that because we haven't yet had someone on our podcast that have shared that form of supplying breast milk for their child, because you were still supplying breast Mm -hmm. milk for your child, but you were pumping. And that is something that we haven't really discussed on, on the show. And so I just wanted to see if you can briefly discuss what was that like, you know, kind of walk us through that exclusively pumping. Yep. So I, so like I said, in the beginning, I tried to, to nurse her and at her doctor's appointments, she was losing weight. So, and Mm -hmm. continued to lose weight. She usually, they dip a little bit and then they go back up and she was not going Mm -hmm. back up. Um, so they asked me, they said, you can, it's still early. You can still try to keep breastfeeding, but after you try to nurse her, then also give her a bottle. I mean, there's, there's varying thoughts on that, but you know, if in our situation, I mean, we wanted to make sure she was getting food. So then we, I would pump, (laughs) there was, there was a while where, you know, in the middle of the night, my husband and I would both get up and I would nurse her first and then he would give her a bottle from a previous pump while I pumped the next feeding. Go team. Mm. Which is yeah. like, yeah. it's amazing. It seems, it seems so crazy now, but that's, that's what we, yeah, that's what we did for, for a while. And so basically what it means is any, anytime they're supposed to, and it's a little bit different because it's not, you know, the same as nursing on demand, but anytime she was supposed to eat, I was trying to pump, you know, before that feed to have enough for her for that next Mm -hmm. feeding. And as she got bigger, she needed more, (laughs) more milk. So then I, I ended up pumping more often than how often she was eating because I needed to make up the supply. It's, you know, what's crazy is I read something once that breastfeeding and pumping is literally over 40 hour work week, if you will. It had to and, be. I was, I was on that machine all the time. Yeah. yeah. So to be exclusively pumping mm-hmm. and still like the feeding process, your 40 hour work week was like an 80 hour work week and you were just, 
Jess, I say Jess, but <laughs> you were all, all you had time to do was to feed your baby. And right. That's a hard job. <laughs> I was pumping and washing bottles. Yeah. That's like, that's what I was doing with all my time. <laughs> and the fact that you kept your sanity, Mary, that is a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it is. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I clung, I, for sure, I clung to it. If I did it again, I don't know that I would do that, but that in that time, that is what got me through that time Yeah. for, yeah. for whatever reason. It sounds kind of maybe a little backwards, but that's how it felt. Yeah. Not backwards. You, you do what you have to do and yeah. you know, it's, right. it's not until you get, pers- uh, get distance that you are able to have a different perspective, but in the moment, you just kind of roll with what you have and to do all of that, what you're saying in the winter that you were telling us about yeah, yeah. and, and your recovery, I mean, you're a rock star. So <laughs> yeah, I'm really glad that you did share that because I feel like it just proves that there's so many different ways that we can feed our child, you know, whatever way that looks like it's okay. And we're doing what is best for our child. So mm-hmm. although some people that aren't going through that same experience or didn't go through the same experience that you have cannot relate. It doesn't mean that we need to judge the way that they are deciding to feed their child because at the end of the day, it's what is best and the child is healthy because of it. So I just, I just think that it's important that you shared that and I'm glad that you did. I I agree. I have a quick question in regards to your second pregnancy. Did you deal with the same things when it came to breastfeeding and pumping that you did in your first with your first? So no, actually for my second breastfeeding worked actually. And so I was able, yeah, I was able to nurse her for, I, I, we, I breastfed her for also again, about five or six months when I went, when I went back to work the second time, I was traveling much more often. So then it kind of became too complicated for me and added another stress mm-hmm. that I didn't want to deal with. I mean, going back to work as a, as a mom or, you know, new mom is a whole other, I mean, I could talk for days about that, but, um, <laughs> but so, yeah. yeah, so no, I was able to breastfeed her and I, I did pump sometimes and I, because I still, mm-hmm. I still gave her bottles of breast milk because I wanted her to, I didn't want her to be shocked when I went back to work and then she only got bottles. Cause I have had friends that struggled with that, mm-hmm. that, they, that they nursed. And then when they be- went back to work, the baby didn't want to take the bottle. So I gave her bottles of breast milk also. Um, mm-hmm. but I was able to nurse her and I'm, I'm glad that I was able to, cause it was definitely a different yeah. experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. You're able to share both experiences or have both experiences. That's great. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Did you go back to work at five to six months with your first as well? Yes, I did. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm. At, uh, at about five months. Yeah. I went back. Wow. You're incredible. That's, that's, yeah. I, <laughs> all well, in all, I, you're incredible. You know? <laughs> I didn't have the underwear business at that time. Like that was, I just had a, I had a full time, yeah, corporate job. Yeah. Yeah. But wow. equally demanding. I feel, I feel mm-hmm. like, well, maybe not equally, but when you're, I mean, <laughs> you, you can answer that. <laughs> yeah. It was, it's, it was definitely an adjust. We went through a big adjustment period with that because, you know, going back to work and just the whole thing. I mean, you don't have your 
your brain is not the same after you have a baby. So I struggled a lot with, you know, not remembering things as much, you know, mom Mm -hmm. brain and all of that. So, and that really, it made me a, a little frustrated, frankly, in my, in my corporate job that I just didn't feel as on point. I mean, I was trying to do the best I could, but it's, it definitely comes with a whole other set of challenges for sure. Yeah. Did that affect you at home as well? Like the trend going from work and then coming home with that frustration? Did you feel like that affected you when you got home? Not, I'm not so much when, when she was so little, we had help at home. So we had a nanny and my, my husband also works. So the end of the day was really, we would just come home and I think just be like any other exhausted parents. Um, (laughs) But when she was so little, it didn't, it didn't matter as much when she got older and I was traveling more. That's when I had like a, a different stress of like not being home. Cause when they're really little and you're traveling or you're busy, you know, they don't, they don't really know the difference Yeah. But when they can like talk to you and ask where you're going and ask why you're not tucking them in at night and how long until you get back. That's when it starts to like mess with your brain. Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. Well, it seems like you you definitely had your fair shares of conquering new new battles throughout the whole the whole process. Most definitely. Life With, changing. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> full circle. Full circle. <laughs> so with that being said, what would you say was your biggest win in your postpartum? Well, probably the most positive one that still impacts me today is the fact that I got the idea for the underwear. That's mm. probably that's probably the best the best thing. I would love to hear a little bit more about how that idea evolved. Yes. Yeah, that's a good point because how do you how do you randomly think about mesh underwear? <laughs> well, well, I mean, they give you the really ugly ones that yeah. are terrible. So yeah. You don't, no, you don't no think about has, them. Exactly. Yeah. I guess you don't think about it. You're just grateful that you have something. <laughs> right. You, on the other hand, went to the other length to right. create a product. So I think that's amazing. Please explain how you got to that point. So one of my friends, one of my very good friends had had a baby uh, a few months before me and she said, Mary, you're going to get these underwear in the hospital. You need them. Yeah, what she said. But a good friend. <laughs> yeah. I love right? the warning. Oh. <laughs> only, only a mom would tell you this. Right? Yes, <laughs> seriously. She said, you're going to get these underwear and you, you won't be able to buy them after. So you have to just take as many as you can. Just take them home with you each time. <laughs> she like had this whole plan. She was like, each time they come in to like, give you new supplies you take a few extra you ask them for a few extra and I was like I love it all right and like okay I love you so I'll trust you yes yes this is the most ridiculous conversation yeah (laughs) well also I've you guys got extra I'm literally just thinking that I got one pair so I come to find out that most most places right they do not give you extra and they can Mm be I've read some horrible stories on some blogs that they're very stingy with them like like, don't throw them away because they won't give you another pair I asked I yeah. asked for an extra. They're like, "Oh, we're so sorry." I was like, "Really? <gasps> really? Just once? Oh. Okay. Insane! Yeah, <laughs> that's insane. That like that's what gets me fired up. And that's a whole other thing. But why don't women have the supplies they need postpartum? Like, mm-hmm. why? Why not? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So she told me this, and I'm like, "All right, you know." So I 
took extras. The, the nurses gave me some extras. And, but when I got home and turns out they are very magical, but when I got <laughs> home, I still, I ran out. So with the C-section and again, just like such a slow recovery and I, I used them, you know, every day that I, I didn't, I didn't take enough. I didn't follow her instructions enough <laughs> to take enough supplies. So I ran out and I asked my mom to go, you know, to go get me more underwear. Cause I was really, my incision was still like really sore and mm-hmm. I tried putting my regular underwear on, but it didn't, I mean, the, it was painful because like the, the yeah. elastic waistband goes right, right by there and it's just, it doesn't work. So she went and she couldn't find any. So she just got me oversized granny panties, like as big <laughs> as she could find. And she was like, Mary, this is all I could find at the store. I'm like, okay, great. Like I'll try it. But they still have the thin elastic band. So it was still just terrible for you know, for my stomach. So I, I literally cut the side of the underwear, like cut into the elastic so that it would relieve the pressure on my stomach. Gosh. Wow. It's so sad. The things that we, (laughs) right. Like, you know, okay, what am I going to do? I'm going to cut some underwear. Okay. Hey, while you're dealing with your surgery (laughs) and your, your body just changed a lot. Hey, figure out what to do with your underwear. (laughs) (laughs) This is different. (laughs) Yeah. We can't give you enough. And exactly. we're, we're not even going to make them available to you in the market <laughs> if you want to choose to buy them yourself. Exactly. So, you know. Oh, Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Bye now. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it? I, you know, I, a little side note. I was thinking when you said that no one tells you what to deal, like how to deal in postpartum and what to get. I can't tell you how many times I was told while I was pregnant, make your hospital bag list, pack your bag before you go to the hospital of all the things you'll need, mm-hmm. which like your robe and, you know, all these weird yeah. little things, which sound, you know, nice. I used them, but yeah. No one talked about like a little bag of things you should collect to your house for postpartum. Right. That's way more important. Right. Like not yep. even like, hey, have an ice pack that you want to keep around that you probably don't want to use for anything else. Or right. mm-hmm. and a squirt bottle and yeah. nipple cream and like all yes. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. So yeah, so I cut the underwear and then I mean, I didn't think about it until a long time later. Like I, you know, went back to my corporate job and was just you know, kind of on my way. And I, I eventually thought, you know, I want to try doing something else, something in e-commerce. I mean, I have a manufacturing background, so I'm used to, to working with products. So I thought, okay, well maybe I can do, I wasn't feeling like fulfilled enough personally. Cause I mean, what else do you do as a mom? You go looking for more projects. I know mm-hmm. it's like <laughs> ridiculous. And so I eventually thought about the, I, I don't even remember how, but the underwear popped into my head. I, I was reading up on some e-commerce blogs and they say like, you know, find something, think about something that's lightweight and easy to ship. And for some reason, you know, the universe circled back to me on these underwear <laughs> Mm-hmm. And they were like, yeah, you need to sell these. <laughs> so I was like, oh, yeah, those those are not available. So why don't I try to sell them? And that's what I did. Well, Genius. every woman listening is so grateful for you. <laughs> yep. Your, your, your random thought of underwear. I am so grateful for you. <laughs> I literally yeah. cannot wait to have another child so I can wear those briefs. <laughs> 
so you know where to go. I'll have a supply for you. Yeah, right? (laughs) No more smuggling underwear out of the hospital under your shirt. (laughs) Yeah. It's such like a, it can seem like a weird and I mean, super unique thing for a very short period of time. But, you know, those first few weeks postpartum are so important and so critical. So I'm happy to be able to give that to people because it was so important for me. And yeah. yeah, So anyone else that it helps is, is a win in my book. Totally. And you think how many women are having babies daily. Right. So it's not like Mm -hmm. the need is, isn't there. Right. (laughs) Right. If you knew what you know now, so all the things that you experience and know, what are three things that you would say to your prenatal self to help you in postpartum? So I think the first thing I would say would be, you know, (laughs) to try to relax, (laughs) to not put so much pressure on myself, either intentionally or unintentionally, and to really try to to enjoy the moments that you can, which I always hated when people said that kind of stuff to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I go and say it to other people. <laughs> but I mean, you know, looking back, I, yes, I would have liked to have done that. So that's probably what I would mm-hmm. tell myself. Yeah. It's good advice. It is. I mean, it is hard to, in the moment, enjoy the little moments and enjoy every time spent, but when you're going through struggle, it's hard to actually enjoy what you have. But then when you get out of that struggle, you can look back and say, you know what, I really wish that I did try to enjoy. So even if you are going through struggle, just try. <laughs> I mean, at mm-hmm. least you can try yep. to enjoy the moment. Absolutely. Especially since I feel like every, every, everyone has that, like, you know, when you're in it, it's hard, but you, you do, I think everyone kind of circles back to that. I, you know, I wish I would have enjoyed that more or Mm -hmm. so as much as it's hard to say that because you know how hard it is to hear it, it still needs to be said. (laughs) Yeah, that's Yeah, that's true. So what was the biggest lesson you've learned from your postpartum experience that you would pass on to somebody else? I think the biggest thing would be to, to take time for your recovery, take as much time as you need and don't feel pressure from other people or other, you know, whatever it might be, judgments or expectations or anything else. Just focus on yourself and taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, th- I think sometimes I didn't, I also didn't give myself enough alone time, like to just go do something, uh, you know, again, with, with the pumping and everything, I, I would say like, make sure you you know, go to a store by yourself or go for a walk or, you know, do something that Mm. you want to do. Because for me, at least I, I needed the time I needed some time for myself. And I think we give a lot of that up, like right when we have a baby. Yeah. I really like that because I think that a lot of the time after we have a child, we kind of lose ourselves in taking care of the child and we refocus our energy on the child. I don't right. think it's a bad thing to do that, but at the same time we lose sight of ourselves, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we kind of lose sight of our own self identity and who we mm-hmm. are. And so I think it is super important to do what you said. I mean, 
take time for yourself in some way, whether that means going on a walk or going to the grocery store by yourself, something yeah. to kind of recenter yourself and mm-hmm. refocus your experience or your postpartum so that yes, you are taking care of your baby and you are there for your child, but you're also looking out for yourself. Agreed. I really don't think that advice could be handed out enough because, because exactly what you both said is women feel so guilty about taking care of themselves. Yes. It's like we forget how. Yes. 100%. Guilt is real. It is real. Real. And it is a force. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It is. It is a force, honestly. (laughs) And I think the more, the more we can say that, that, you need, it's okay to take time for yourself. And if you need to, to be able to be the mom you want to be mm-hmm. or the, the person you want to be, you have to be able to, you know, that, that person was there first and they're not going to go away. So you still have to give them a little bit of attention. Yeah. Yep. So we're going to transition into something a little lighter and something that we love to talk about. <laughs> uh, Mary, what is your favorite mom hack? So I would say it, it took me it took me a while to finally give into this, but it makes a big difference to prepare everything the night before. Mm. So I was always like, okay, I you know, it's fine. I could do this in the morning, I could do that in the morning. You know, the end of the day, you're tired and everything else. But even and even if it's for on the weekend going out or in you know, during during the week getting ready for school or daycare or anything else like setting out clothes or at least prepping some of the, you know, meals that might be for lunch. Yeah. So like the mm-hmm. night before, it's not all packed up in the container because we usually warm stuff and put it in the thermos, but we know the night before what we're packing for lunch the next day. We're not like trying to figure it out, you know, standing in front of the fridge in the morning trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, clothes are ready, you know, and laid out the night before. It just every minute that you can save in the morning <laughs> really, really <Yeah>. helps <laughs> because mm-hmm, it buys mm-hmm. you time for when there's a meltdown unexpectedly. <laughs> I was just mm-hmm. going to say that because you never know <laughs> right? what morning it's going to be. <laughs> right. So now I, yeah, now I really try to prepare. I mean, when they were younger, like diaper bag was ready the night before, you know, all that kind of stuff, hmm. like lay it out and have it organized. I feel like that's probably even more important as someone who's running a business. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your time is much more limited. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I'm like, let's go girls. We're on a schedule. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Don't you know and what it, that means? <laughs> yeah. But it helps keep the family organized and kind of centered, mm-hmm. you know, like there's not, there might be chaos. I mean, I'm not saying there's no chaos. I'm sure there is. But it also, it just lessens the chaos mm-hmm. yeah. a little bit. <laughs> and, and you know what else it does for my girls? If they, if they end up having, you know, something's not going for them, right for them and they need extra time, then I have a little wiggle room to be able to adapt to that. And because I've really been trying to also, you know, practice patience and like try not to be frustrated or say, here, let me do it for you, those kinds mm-hmm. of things. Mm. And doing this stuff yeah. the night before allows me to have that time for them. So when my younger one says like, no, I want to get my, you know, dress myself. I'm like, okay, you go take your 
five, 10, 15 minutes. Just <laughs> yourself. <laughs> um, because it's fine it's, that mom <laughs> had an outfit laid out. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so it gives me a little more room to be able to, you know, deal with those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not Completely. have to wake up way too early. <laughs> hmm. So for that, yes. do you have any tools that you use or any, you know, some people use apps for keeping themselves organized when it comes to that. Do you have any tools that you use or you're just like, I, can, I know what I got to do and I got to get it done. <laughs> so for the, for the home prep, like for, for lunches and meals and stuff, I, it's, it's not really tools or apps, but like I have, I mean, you kind of just get into a routine. So mm-hmm. I lay their lunch boxes out the same way every night like make sure I put you know the utensils and those kinds of things like I just kind of have a system from around the kitchen that has become a habit for the schedule like adamant now about having a schedule in place so like on Sunday nights I look at the calendar for the week and I figure and I just see kind of at the beginning of the month I look at the month too but at the beginning of the week I use google calendar for all of my stuff Mm. I put you know, all of my appointments in it. And I just, I look at the week, I have it always blocked out, of course, for, you know, getting ready in the morning and getting the girls to school. At the beginning of the year, I block out whatever school events they have, you know, and days off and all that kind of stuff. And Mm -hmm. then for the week, I look at, okay, when are my, when are my meetings? You know, when do I have calls or or other things like that. And when am I, you know, scheduling time to exercise? Cause that's the one thing I really try to do. Mm-hmm. It's in my calendar. Anything I do is now I've come to the point where it has to be booked in my calendar, even if it's just for me and no one else is on the invite. It's, it's in there. Totally. <laughs> if it's not on the calendar, it's not happening. Not happening. No, it's true. You're actually the second person who said that. And yeah. after the first person said it, I was like, all right, I'm going to give it a try because because the stuff that I have to do even for me, I'm like, okay, well, I can do that later. You know, it mm-hmm. gets, slowly gets pushed to mm-hmm. like three days later eventually. Yeah. And so I started I started trying that. And even more so now, I'm going to be really good about scheduling my time. Yeah. <laughs> even it, just for like the, the small things. I mean, I have mm-hmm. an operational excellence background. I would go to sites and train people on productivity and scheduling and systems and all these things. And I resisted doing it. And (laughs) and finally, I was just like, okay, I have to try it now. Um, And I kind of, and I, and it works. It's true. (laughs) It's amazing. It's the thing you taught for so long. (laughs) So now, so now, you know, now, now I do it. And I, I made, I'll send you, I can send it to you after I made a, like an episode for the Transitions Collective, which is where I do video um, video interviews and things for business owners. I, mm-hmm. I did one specifically on my calendar and how I, you know, use my calendar now because it's really changed, changed the game for me. Yes, yeah. please mm-hmm. share that. I'm sure everyone would appreciate sure. that. <laughs> yeah. So Mary, we like to give everyone a chance to talk a little bit about yourself. Um, in a different way about your business and give you a chance to explain a little bit more. So where can our listeners find you? Tell us about your business, your social media, your website, share anything and everything you'd like to. 
Yes. Yes. And can I also add that, can you please share the pump that you used as well? Because I know that women that are working or going back to work would like to know Mm -hmm. what pump you used. Mm -hmm. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. I used the Medela double electric pump Mm. and I was able to get it through my insurance as well. So I don't know if that's Mm -hmm. still possible, but yeah, I used that. And then I also used the Medela hand pump for when I was Mm. traveling because I had to you know, pump in some crazy places and there wasn't always an adapter and the batteries run out so quickly sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I kind of had that as a backup in case Smart. I needed it. Nice. <laughs> and then now you can just share about your social media, your website. Sure. Anywhere where people can find you. You also mentioned a podcast. We're online. So brieftransitions.com. And we're actually available on Amazon and Prime because new moms are not strolling the aisles of Target, you know, right right after they have a baby. And mm-hmm. then... We're on. In, I'm on Instagram as well at Brief Transitions, and then I also run the Transitions Collective, which is a community for mom entrepreneurs transitioning from corporate to entrepreneur and building their businesses mm-hmm. from the ground up. So, through awesome. my journey with Brief Transitions, I became super passionate about helping other women, you know, do that too. And it's I'm on Instagram um, at the Transitions Collective. And there's a Facebook community for that as well. So if you go to the transitionscollective.com and sign up with your email, then you can, you know, email a link to join the Facebook group. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty strong community. We have, it started locally and we're just actually opening up and growing to being moms from all over that just want connection and support while they juggle you know, business and raising a family, building a business and raising a family. And I'm also co-host of the Fearless Business Podcast. So we talk about topics that people are usually afraid to tackle in their business, but shouldn't be. So things like, you know, speaking and going on video and, and other fun topics that people try to avoid. (laughs) That's amazing. I love what you're doing. And seems like there's other, there were other pieces of it that you are doing to help others. And I think that's awesome. So thanks so much for sharing that. I agree. We are going to be sure to link everything that you discussed in our, our blog post on our website, in our resources page. So if you're listening, feel free to check that out. And Mary, thank you so much for joining us. We really loved having you on the podcast today. Thank you, Mary. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We are absolutely grateful and humbled that you would take the time to tune in today. Please join us each week as we change the stigma around postpartum and help build a community where women can feel supported, loved, and empowered. If you'd like to connect with us, follow us on Instagram at So You Had a Baby Podcast, or you can check out our website at So You Had a Baby And if you want to hear more and be part of this community, please subscribe to our podcast. We'd love for you to join us each week. Mm-hmm.